Hey, do you teach yoga? Have you ever trained to lead yoga classes to be a yoga therapist? Have you ever owned a yoga studio? Maybe even just wondered what it was like for the women and men up there in front of the room on their mats, leading you through endless Surya Namaskars, down dogs, and pranayamas galore? Well, these are their stories and mine. I'm Rebecca Sebastian, a 20-year yoga teacher, 10-year yoga therapist, yoga studio owner, and co-founder of a yoga-focused nonprofit. I've done a lot in the yoga world over the last 20 years, pretty much everything except had a water cooler. You know, a place to share stories, talk about struggles, successes, and find other people who do the same thing that I do. Welcome to Working in Yoga, a podcast and substitute water cooler for yoga folks to connect and build community, to share our unique profession, our challenges, and our journeys with the world. Welcome to Working in Yoga. This week's podcast is the work that I really want to share with the world. My friend Steph Gallant, who is also a self-care professional, is on the podcast. And this week we talk about some of the most important work that I think we can share as self-care and yoga professionals. There's a lot of talk about, quote unquote, your practice as a yoga professional. Are you practicing hashtag every damn day? Are you quote unquote good at being yogic and all the shame and judgment that surrounds those two ideas? Well, Steph and I are on a mission. We're going to change what you think it is to self-care as a yoga and wellness professional. And this conversation is absolutely so good. You won't want to miss a minute. Now, before we begin, make sure you follow or subscribe from wherever you're listening to the podcast, and this is a huge metric that helps support us here at Working in Yoga. If you have been a listener for a while and love what we're talking about, please leave me a review so other yoga pros can find us and connect around the water cooler. And thank you to our sponsor, Sunlight Streams, the virtual self-care studio, yoga classes, webinars, journaling prompts, audio-only practices, and so much more. Join our virtual retreat on July 28th through the 30th. Steph, This week's guest is going to be on our Friday Night Enlightenment panel on the 28th, so don't hesitate to snag your ticket. That is linked in the show notes. Speaking of tickets, have you signed up for our free virtual professional development challenge? It is July 17th through the 21st, and we are going to have so much fun. Maybe you thought, I can't make those days, but we will have replays offered for two weeks after the event. So don't wait and sign up today. As you know, I am passionate about creating the next generation of yoga professionals. Do you want to join me? Now, without any further delay, I know you are going to love this podcast. So let's get into it. Welcome, friends, to Working in Yoga. Okay, so I am so excited to have this conversation today, mostly because I just like talking to my guests. (laughs) So... (laughs) So we're going to talk. This is my friend, Steph Galante. And Steph, tell everybody about yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Steph Galante. My pronouns are she and her. And I'm coming to you from the ancestral lands of the Lenny Lenape in central New Jersey. I'm the owner of Steph Galante Self-Care. I am a lover of music and of dancing and of sky watching. Um, And I really love to read, especially like really raunchy, like... Yes. erotic fun things <gasps> that's just my jam oh yes <laughs> <laughs> can we just talk about that for a second um, <laughs> um I am professionally I am an Ayurveda yoga specialist and so for me that training is using you know principles of Ayurveda along with yoga practices not just asana um to help people to kind of Come, come back to themselves, more deeply connect to themselves, um, heal as well. Um, and it's on a very personal level. It's not just kind of boxed and cookie cutter. It is very much, you know, catered and curated to the actual individual. I am also a mental health and trauma-informed yoga teacher. So I am trained to use these practices to support people with 
um, who are living with depression, who are living with anxiety, who are living with PTSD and trauma, and also this thing called chronic stress, which I mean, it used to be 10 years ago that chronic stress was this thing that only certain people lived with. But given this, I think also that was a statistic that wasn't quite correct, but also given our state of life these days, more people are living with chronic stress than we realize. Yeah. Um, and also I'm a Zumba instructor and I'm a lecturer for uh, Rutgers University's Department of Kinesiology and Health. And if you can't see me, I am a brown person. I am cis, I'm het, and I am married. I have two really energetic kids who don't let me rest or sleep or any of these things. <laughs> <laughs> so really self-care for me is, is very much like something that is a necessity because of the, the different hats I wear and the different ways that I work, uh, that I work and also move through the world. I'm, I'm the child of immigrants from Trinidad and Jamaica. Um, and, you know, I'm unpacking my own uh, relationship with all of that. Uh, and also... <laughs> Um, unpacking also my own tra trauma and uh, the things that I'm carrying with myself. So for me, this work is so much to serve others, but also has been a beautiful tool and invitation for me to do my own healing as well. So I feel pretty satiated there. I'll, I'll pause, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say in the future, you're going to come back and we're going to talk about what it is to self-care for people who are the children and grandchildren of immigrants, because I'm just one generation ahead of you. Mm. And it is such a um, different experience. It is a unique experience. So someday we're going to have that discussion too. <laughs> we love it. We love it. <laughs> but we're going to talk about self-care today, which is this thing that we both are really passionate about. And before I pressed record on this podcast, I was saying, so I have the joy to interview so many amazing humans in the yoga space. And when I try and like tease out what advice they have for people who are yoga teachers, yoga professionals, like how do we take care of ourselves? Like the advice they always give and no shade to any of you have been on my podcast and said this, <laughs> but like, have like make sure you have your own practice and I'm always like that's terrible advice because what does that mean <laughs> like, like like it's great but terrible like I hear you I hear what you're saying all of yeah. you, but like what does that mean because I often feel like especially in these like yoga and Ayurvedic spaces our advice is to literally never escape it like like our advice is to be teaching yoga living yoga practicing yoga doing yoga 24 seven, 365. And then oftentimes we run businesses then, which is also like this personal evolution and like you're stripping yourself in order to run your business. Ooh, yeah. And I'm just like, we can never get away from self evolution. It sucks. Like it's awful. <laughs> like some days I want to come to the, the table, my messiest self eating chips and reading dirty <laughs> romance novels. Thank you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have this whole series planned of like summer of self-care and stuff. You are starting us off. Like, do you ever feel this way? Is this relatable to you? 100% all the time. I think, you know, obviously, as I said, I'm a parent. So I feel like that is its own shit show. Yeah. As a partner, <laughs> right? Whether you have multiple partners, one partner, whatever the situation is, that's also can be a shit show. I think for me, for marriage, like marriage is a lot of work. And my, my husband always, he cringes when I say that. I'm like, it's not about you. I just think it is hard. I think that we were not raised or I don't know. I, and I try not to say we, but I feel as though I don't have enough friends who talk about how hard it is whether they are married, whether, whether they're in a committed relationship, what, whatever their relationship status is. I feel like, you know, when you are in a committed relationship with, with a, another person, another adult, it's like, it's hard. It is really hard. And then when you add kids to the mix, that's also hard. Being a parent is hard, but then being a parent who also is in a relationship with someone else, that's also really hard. And so, yes, all of this is relatable because for me, I feel as though especially too, on top of it, like being a business owner, but even before that, like what brought me to the work was I was burnt out yeah. at working at my full-time job completely and totally. And I 
was really struggling, like all of the, the dominant culture's messaging about what a quote unquote mother's role is, what a quote unquote wife's role is, like all that bullshit yeah. is so harmful and so toxic. And that's what led me to actually doing this work as a professional basis in terms of coaching and the, and, and the work I'm doing in the world beyond just teaching an asana class and walking away from that, right? And doing the whatever else other work I was doing. Be, it came out of necessity because I constantly was feeling this way. Like I could not navigate the shit show that was my life. And at that time, I was also dealing with grief on top of it. And so I, I always felt as though I was just barely hanging on. And there are some days I still feel that way, that if something else on top of it is added on, it's like, then it just breaks down completely. And I was like, this is no way to live. Like I can't live this way. Um, and so that's kind of what brought me to the work. So the, the, that was a long answer to your question of, do I ever feel that way? Yes. <laughs> I feel this way often. And so I have found that for me, I needed to stop living from a reactive and dysregulated place. And that's been really hard, yeah. especially for me, like Vata dominant, you know, like, woo, ungrounded pretty much all the time. And by the way, then, and besides Vata dominant, like Pitta is the next, yeah. you know, and so it's like fire, like, oh my gosh, like seriously, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like a recipe for disaster all the time. If you're constantly living in a dysregulated state anyway, you know? And so, yes, I always feel that way. I'm going to pause there because I didn't know. Did you have another question within that? question. <laughs> no, it was real. That was a really good answer. And one of the things I want to highlight is like, this is this thing that I think we as sort of like health, wellness, yoga, Ayurveda professionals, we do we, like, but also on top of it, we're wearing hats that require us to incorporate who we are into this thing that we do. Like yep. we are like, I am Rebecca, but I am also Rebecca, the partner and Rebecca, the mother and Rebecca, the yoga professional and Re Rebecca, the business owner. And by the time you're done with your day, you're like, who the hell is Rebecca anymore? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. what I did for a very long time personally, because I came to the self-care stuff the same way you did, like, just like, I can no longer accept that I don't exist as an entity outside the stuff that I do. Mm -hmm. And, and like yoga, especially, I think is one of these jobs where we're guiding people through this transformative process and right. we become so identified as yoga professionals that we forget that we exist outside that, which is so ironic, right? Because it's literally the point of yoga. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And that's the thing. I feel, feel like for me, it was like I was teaching asana that probably included meditation or some sort of pranayama and, you know, bringing in like some self-awareness tools, whether it was through the yamas and yamas or probably not, right? Yeah. And then I was, okay, then the class ended and then it was on to whatever else I was doing. But for me, the teaching, the tools, like I was telling them, the students to, you know, apply this to their greater life, right off the map. But was I, and was I as a teacher or a, 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 a person who offers the practice, right? Was I doing that not only in my personal life, but also my professional life? Like where was yoga coming into my professional life? Was it, you know, like yes, beyond yes, yes. the asana, was it? Yes. So like, I love a, that this is like, like, we're like what, five minutes into this podcast and we're like in the meat of it right away, <laughs> but partially like we have to normalize this conversation. Yes. Like this is the quiet part that we're saying out loud now, yes. because those back rooms of yoga studios, when you're in those like collective yoga teacher spaces and you have that one like anchor teacher who's been at the job, like 20, 30 years, who's like, Oh yeah, I know. It's just part of the thing. They say real quietly under their breath. Like I've been at this 20 years now. I'm going to say it really loud. This is the thing. <laughs> this happens to us all. You have burnout. You forget, you forget whatever quote unquote your practice is. And we have this idea that like, whenever I hear somebody on this podcast say, Oh, you have to have a practice. I hear them say you have to be on your mat. Yes. <laughs> like, like, no, that does like what we're asking is that your practice has to evolve to meet you where you are at. Yes. Yes. So, okay. Let's do tips. No, tip number one. What do what do you do? Ooh. So for me, honestly, my first tip is to simply tune into yourself. 
recognize the shit recognize and 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 this is often where people are like i don't want to do that <laughs> i don't have time for that right yeah, i don't have yeah, time for yeah. that i don't have the luxury i mean listen bipoc folks queer and trans folks people who are are actively being sought out to be unsafe to to be persecuted to all the things right that may not be afforded to us right? so i just want to be, be very clear on behalf of myself as a bipoc person but also i don't hold even the most marginalized identities in this country and in this world. So I want to I want to make sure that I say from here that it recognizes this is a nuanced and layered conversation that this is not while we I I try and I know you try to not talk about self-care as a surface thing, but on a deeper level. But also I want to speak to the fact that I cannot speak to all the shit that is wrong and the ways that some of these practices, some of these ideas and ideals that we're talking about today, or we will probably talk about that it doesn't ignore that. Right. And, and I'm not at all saying that that this is perfect. But I think one thing that even as yoga teachers that we do is we bypass ourselves often and we gaslight ourselves often. We would not let our students do this. We would call out all of that, but we do it to ourselves and we allow for it to be done to us. And so honestly, for me, Rebecca, because the one thing I've come to in my work in probably the last year and a half is I'm standing firmly in you and I as practitioners who, quote unquote, are educated in this, who have the tools, the knowledge, quote unquote, to know what to do for ourselves. I can sit here and tell you all the spring tips, but if you are not actively recognizing where you are right now and moment to moment through the day, these tools won't matter. It doesn't matter if you've got the right tools. If you are not even recognizing where you are and allowing yourself to use the tools properly. And when I say properly, I mean, as a way to help you, not just like last ditch effort, right? Band-aid it. Right? Yes. Like you, I'm making you, all the hand gestures right now. <laughs> yeah. So, so really, and, and so this is a very unpopular tip number one for a lot of people, but I mean, if, if I don't say it and if I don't force it and if I don't say, say this thing that people don't like and possibly like, well, forget you stuff. Like I'm not listening anymore because then we're no better than the fitness industry and the wellness industry and all the other bullshit, you know, and like we could fix everything with asana. No, we, we can't. It's, I think this tip is so crutch, like, like it is the cornerstone is just this idea, like, you have to know where you're at, and you have to know where, where you are by you, for you, from you, right? Yeah. Like, like, I can talk to, and this is my tendency, right? Like, I'm also Vata dominant, right? And I will talk to people till the end of time and ask them what they think I should be doing. <laughs> and so, like, like, all day, all night. And when I first started that practice, that deep, like, this is like a deep fundamental yogic practice, I believe, especially we are here in the West and we are not taught as children to ask ourselves what we need. Yes. Deeply. Yes. Like, yes. like, you know, you get in those relationships and not just like interpersonal relationships, but you know, your family, your friends, these people you've known forever. And I had this moment the other day where I was just like, do I actually want to talk to them? Like, like, and I just had this moment where I was like, how weird is it? And this is somebody I've known almost my entire life. Right. And I just went, why have I never asked myself that question? <laughs> like, yep. like they're just there. Yes. And, and, and it's a person who tends to bring drama and, you know, like at the end of the day, I'm like, oh my God, here they go again. And I went, why have I never asked myself, do I want this relationship? I, and I just went, oh, there's that pattern again, that idea of why don't I ask myself first? Yes. Yes. I think also a, another piece of that, another layer of this is we in the in the West, dominant culture peddles, you know, self-confidence, self-belief. Right. But in terms of your road to success. Yes. It does not, we do not talk about belief in oneself 
connection to oneself in terms of tuning into oneself, because even from a young age, and I can even say from a parenting aspect, child falls, what do a lot of parents immediately say? You're okay. Yeah. (laughs) So then the child's like, okay, I'm okay. I want to cry right now. Something doesn't feel okay, but I'm being told I'm okay. So I must then therefore be okay. Yeah. Right. And so we are taught from a very young age that other people determine how we feel about ourselves. Yes. And so I think from what I'm realizing now is that we don't know how to tune into ourselves. And even if we do, what happens is we don't know what to do with what we find because we also don't have the tools to meet ourselves there because we constantly have to push away sadness. We constantly have to push away anger. Those, those emotions are labeled as bad and negative. We don't know what to do with ourselves, right? Which is also, you know, the part, you know, in the West of the problem with meditation for a lot of people, I can't quiet. I can't be still when I'm quiet or when I'm still is when I'm least comfortable because I go, go, go to try not to try to avoid, right. To try to not deal with stuff. So we are here walking around as, as adults, even dysregulated and dysregulated at every single stage, but we've become really great at masking. And and I also say we, as in like American culture, because this is the only thing I can speak to, right? I've only lived in the the U.S., but we are so good at that. And also you spoke to cultural and also generational, Yes, you know, I mean, I'm in my forties and now it's becoming okay to talk about mental health and, you know, seeking therapy, right? But my parents' generation, absolutely not. Like, it's not a thing. And we would, we grew, I mean, I grew up in the era of like, pick yourself up by your bootstraps and keep on going. Like, too bad. You want to cry, cry in, pri- cry in private, get it over with and let's keep it moving. And so I say all this to say, you know, in American society, we are not taught to tune into ourselves. We are taught to fix things, to seek um, approval and guidance from outside of ourselves. We are not we are not raised with the, the, um, the tool of tuning to ourselves. Yeah. I think we see this within the industry, right? So we see this idea professionally speaking, that if you find the next business coach, the next training, the next certification, the next thing, like then all of a sudden you will be enough. Yep. Then all of a sudden you will be able to make the money that you want to make or reach the people you want to reach or do this. Like if you just find that next person yep. and, and I'm here to say like, Hey babe, that next person doesn't exist. You are that next person. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And you know, I think it's so true. So, I mean, you know, what do you do? Like, what do you do when, when you, you're quiet and you recognize, okay, well, this is what I need. Right. And I think, you know, boundaries is going to be a huge thing and not just boundaries against, you were talking about that person, you know, from that you've known all your life and that brings the drama, right. Their boundaries with the people and the things that do not serve you, but also boundaries with the things that do meaning that you are making time for the stuff that does serve you, whether you are a business owner, whether you are traveling from studio to studio or online space to online space teaching, whatever, however many hats you wear, because the reality is those of us in this industry are wearing multiple hats, whether it's within our own business or working for others, you know? And so I think, you know, this is not probably at all, maybe what your listeners were expecting, but the boundaries thing. Yeah. Yeah is going to be huge. It's going to be because of all those reasons, because what Ayurveda teaches us is we are constantly experiencing things. And one of its guiding principles is digestion. And when we hear digestion from an American standpoint, we are always thinking food because, right, we live in this society. Those of you who are living in the U.S., I would assume Canada is probably the same way that it's constantly like food centered, right? Digestion, food, right? We're obsessed with food, what's right, what's wrong. But Ayurveda teaches us that so much of our living experience is the multitude of experiences we're having all the time. And, you know, our, our experiences really affect 
everything and how we are experiencing the moment, how we are presenting ourselves, all of our conversations, our perceptions, everything. And so if we don't have, if we are not creating and upholding boundaries for our emotional status, for our mental status, for our physical well-being, our energetic well-being, again, you could do all the right things you know, for yourself to, because I know this is coming out in the summer, you could do all the right, some practices, it's still not going to land. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's not the, the thing with the, all the stuff is that we could say, you know, whatever breath work, yoga, nidra, journaling, all of the stuff. But the thing is, is that you already know that, like the listener already knows that we're in this job. This is literally our job to already know that. And so I feel like one of the things you said earlier that really resonated is this conversation is so nuanced. Like we aren't surface level here because all the surface level stuff, our listeners already know, like, you know, the stuff, you know, you need to get moving, you know, you need to breathe, you know, you need to, and like, like, I still find myself taking my own advice sometimes in a way that I'm like, damn, why don't I do that more often? Yeah. And that's the more interesting conversation, right? Why don't I do that more often? Why don't I have the attitude that I can show up my for myself in equal measure that I'm showing up for my students and my partner and my family and all of those other things? Like, that's the conversation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the deep dive in the yoga right here. Mm-hmm. Is yes. like, why aren't we? And so tell me, I, I know that you've had that challenge too. Like, tell me a story about it. <laughs> like, Wow. Where, where can we start? And how much time do we have left? <laughs> when I was five. <laughs> I, I mean, I think for me recently, um, you know, I think in the last year and a half, I, oh gosh. Okay. What am I, what am I trying to share here? Okay. There mm -hmm. pausing. Okay. In the last year and a half, the way I've been living yoga is off the mat. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of yoga teachers, I would say pride themselves on a practice every single day. And I'm like, I practice once a week on the mat. Yeah. My living yoga is off the mat. And that has been the most eye-opening experience for me um, in so many ways. And even as like, after I finished my Ayurveda training and I was like, you know, official Ayurveda yoga specialist, and I was doing all the practices and I was showing up to all of them, but it wasn't sustainable, right? It wasn't sustainable at all. Yes. And so people will often say to me, oh, Steph, like what teas do you drink regularly? What are you doing for this regularly? And I'm like, yeah, the, my regular is it's irregular. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it just, my life just, I don't have the capacity to turn my life upside down and quote unquote, and I don't want to do all the right things anymore. Because what I realized mm. was that I was, I was implementing dominant cultures consistency which equals rigidity actually it determination equals running yourself into the ground just to simply say I did the thing I crossed up the to-do list right I'm consistent I did the thing even though I didn't want to even though it didn't feel aligned and so what I started doing probably in the last year and a half was I promised myself I was not going to go to one more yoga teacher training (laughs) nope And I was going, I literally paused all my own personal workouts, all my personal asana practice. And I literally just opened space for myself. And that is so uncomfortable for me. So uncomfortable. Uh, And my body changed, obviously. I mean, for those of you who who are, um, I mean, I'm new to this, you know, your listeners, my entire career has always been in fitness and wellness always. And so I was always teaching fitness classes. And so to not work out on my own was like this big thing, but like, really, I I came into my yoga practice in the last year and a half in a way I never did. What I was doing before was before was all the performative stuff. I was doing all the performative stuff. And now I am standing in the actual practice of yoga, the actual practice of Ayurveda, which 
surface is all about be right practices and do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that, or whatever it is, favor this, limit that. But I just started to listen, like to tune in and listen. That's that's my story from the last year and a half. And what that did was amplified the bullshit that I was telling myself that even within yoga and Ayurveda, we are, we are peddling. Yes. Oh, yes. And then I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. So that's, that's my story. That's, that's a damn good story. I mean, no more good girl culture. So I call that good girl culture on that podcast. Cause I do think women especially are cultured in America in the West to perform in a perfectionistic way like and you could you know perfectionism is a whole other topic but like like we feed directly into that in this industry oh yeah With we are every, upholding the patriarchy and all of the oh, things in in this industry for sure and and like so those who are regular listeners listeners of the podcast like i did a series on consent earlier in the year like in the early spring and these episodes came out and i was like look we can talk about how you put your hands on somebody all day long, but is the message that how your body shows up in an asana pose isn't good enough and you need me to change you? Where is that rooted? Mm. Like, 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 let's dive deep into what people actually consent to in our classes. Mm. And it is all like, there's so much of that perfectionism, good girl culture that's in there. Like, I need someone to fix me. And, and the truth is what you need is someone to remind you that you don't need to be fixed. Yes. Yes. I am reading Michelle Cassandra Johnson's uh, We Heal Together. Ooh. And it's so good. It was, it was good. Like from the first page, it was like the forward or something or the acknowledgements. <laughs> and I was like, um, okay, can I, I just need to unpack this for about 10 days. You know, like I didn't even get into the first chapter, but um, she so beautifully offers the assumptions um, and the agreements and 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 why um, why these are constant practices and um, you know one of the assumptions which was and she offered these in a different way than she did in, in skill this two skill in action books that she put out yeah. and I what you just said about we are not broken is one of the assumptions that she makes so beautifully like we live in a society that tells us we are broken and need to be fixed and we are not. We are not broken. It's the systems that are broken. And something that I have been so, I've been just any, any platform I'm on and I can share it is the fact that, you know, we, like these systems, the white supremacy culture is in everything in the United States. Capitalism is in everything. We understand at a surface level, we are starting to understand on a surface level how it's showing up in yoga and how it is showing up in fitness and wellness. But it is deeply entrenched in our beliefs about self-care, in our beliefs about ourselves, the way that we must or should show up in the world, whether that is as an individual or as a person, If especially if you um, hold marginalized identities. And for those of us who you and I can speak to on a personal level, who um, have been labeled, who, you know, female at birth and were conditioned as quote unquote girls and women, there's so much harmful shit beyond just the gender norms. There's so much that now as we talk about what self-care is and what it's not, people are having to reckon with what they were taught that they never had to think about that they didn't realize was a belief given to them because it was always ingrained yeah. and often from a very young age to where you can't even remember where that belief came from or who offered it to you. Yes. Right. And yes. so for me, you know, when you were saying like, what can yoga practitioners do for themselves this summer, right? Like to support themselves, honestly, especially for your, your, your listeners who have an Ayurveda understanding and understand Vata Pitta Kapha and how the energies play out in nature. What I need for you all to do is recognize where you are right now. You probably know your dosha dominance, you know, from nature at birth, right? But recognize where you are now and how right now, what is dominant? How is that showing up? Because you may not be, um, you know, your natural dominance may not be what, what is playing out right now. Yeah. 
And I need you to start meeting yourself there, right? Like start understanding where am I? What is dominant? How is this showing up? But also not just personally, we need to start taking this information we have and applying it professionally. Yes, yes, yes. So the way we show up to our work, what I hope and my work, what I'm starting to understand about my mission is it's starting to shift in the most beautiful way is we, you know, nature goes through this cycle that we so beautifully honor, uh, you know, in terms of winter's vibe, then come into spring's vibe, summer's vibe, fall's vibe. What if you started acknowledging that cycle or began to look at your work in terms of nature cycle? What if you started to meet yourself in your work according to that cycle? Maybe winter is more more dormant in your work and that's reflective and planning. And then spring, rather than, you know, January 1st, we're running out of the gate sprinting. We still take that time. And then spring is that gentle growth. And what if we started to be farmers of our profession? Yeah. Right. What if we did that? Because the, the what I'm realizing is the reality for me, as I began to apply these Ayurvedic shifts and align my self-care practices with winter's vibe and how I needed to ground myself or uplift myself, whatever it is, whatever I need to do for balance. Yeah. If I'm only doing that personally, and yes, personal will bleed into professional, just like professional bleeds into personal. There's no definitive line. But if I am not living that same cycle and that same intention in my business, how can that actually work? Right. Yeah. And remember, like if you're listening, the cycle is different for everyone, right? So like I tend to be somebody who's very active in the winter. I love the winter. Like that's when my heat pulls up and I'm like ready to roll in the wintertime. I look at summer and like this summer, my intention is country time lemonade vibes all the way. (laughs) I mean, I am embracing that slow rock on some porch in some random cabin that maybe looks like a serial killer cabin. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pour myself a cup of tea and just hang like that like it's different for all of us but you have to embrace how your cycle works right and like you have to embrace that professionally as well as personally because maybe you don't panic if things are maybe you're a hot yoga teacher listening and guess what i know summer's gonna be slow for you hun because nobody wants to go in a hot studio while it's also hot outside that's sad i mean (laughs) like, like i get that everybody's cycle is different. So maybe you're embracing something different in the summer. You know, maybe you're an outdoor yoga teacher primarily and summer is hot and heavy for you and you are running right now. Like, but it is, we are showing up for ourselves and our business doesn't have to be separate. You're right. (laughs) Like we have to show up with that same rhythm. Yes. And I think, you know, when it comes to summer, you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the go, go, go. If you live in an area where it's warm for the first time and there's so much more stuff that's open. And especially if you live in an area of the world where it's dark and dormant for, I mean, for us in New Jersey, you know, winter is really just December to February, but I know in other parts of the country and other parts of the world, I mean, winter can be, feel like that six month period from, from what I'm understanding, you know, October, even to March, like that's a long period of time. And so we tend to go, and it's funny because I have friends who live outside of the U.S. and they're like, man, Americans, you all go hardcore for summertime, you know, and we really do (laughs) also because we're too busy running ourselves into the ground the other nine months out of the year. So summertime is when, you know, corporate speaking, you get what flex, you know, flexible schedules or summer Fridays, right? Like that whole bullshit, which we need to divest from anyway, you know, so when, you know, I feel as though you know, when it comes to the summer, yes, go and do the things, enjoy yourself, right? Keep cool, obviously, especially for those of you who are pitta dominant or experiencing pitta dominance, please cool yourself. And we're not just talking about iced things, like iced things on very hot days once in a while, but like room temp even (laughs) still, did you hear me? Like room temp even still, right? You know, but like thinking, you know, even, and again, like these are not these widespread, widespread tips, but 
you were saying, you know, we were talking about conversations and interpersonal relationships, like noticing what gets your blood boiling and recognizing it before you get to the blood boiling stage, right? Notice where your aggression comes out because we all have it, no matter what. Pitta dominant people, that might be through your speech, right? And the way you just cut people like a knife, right? And for other people, Vata dominant is going to turn out a different way. And, and Kapha dominant, like that fire is going to be in a different way for you, right? Um, but recognizing what are the more subtle ways that that Pitta energy is, is, um, is displayed within you. But then also remembering there's a subtle Vata nature too of summertime. That's that variability and a little lightness, right? That, so for those of us who are Vata dominant, we're going to want to go, 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 but then we hit the wall and then what? So like friends, let's pause a little bit more to your vibe of like rocking on the rocking chair. Summertime, even though it is hot and it's vibrant and it's beautiful in, in many, many areas, it's a great time for goals. It's a great time for aspirations, right? That reaping that we do in the summertime of the crops that we are now planting when we're recording this, you know, in yeah. this yeah. time, right? Use that fire quality to fuel you because you want to think of it. You think of nature's cycle. We need summer to energize us for the variability of the fall to get through the fall into the winter months. But at the same time, what, what we do so beautifully as Americans is we run ourselves into the ground to August. Yes. Then we go into, for those of you who have children or work schedules that pick back up in, Octo- in, in August or here in New Jersey in September, then we have zero energy or we're not well-resourced for the variability of fall. And then we get to November and it's like, we're hanging on, you know, running on fumes. December comes, we're barely holding on by a thread. Yeah. And so what I'm trying to do within not just, you know, the yoga industry, but the just at large within self-care is to pay attention to that cycle of burnout, right? And how can we use this spring or even the summertime, right? When this airs to better resource ourselves and not just resource ourselves, but also realize the cycles that are not serving us yeah, and how we're coming to that to, to better, um, you know, serve us moving forward, I think is a really important thing to begin to consider too. So summertime, maintenance, sustaining, preserving, those are the three words for summertime, maintenance, sustaining, preserving is going to, those are going to be your keys. So that the, the old uh, story of the, the tortoise and the hare, right? Slow and steady wins the race, be the tortoise (laughs) for a little while. Okay, so let's take that idea, maintenance, sustain, preserve, mm-hmm. and slide it into business. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, what are our maintenance practices? I actually feel like summertime, my, like, like you said, we're recording in the spring, but this is going to come out in the summer. Um, one thing I'm doing now in that sort of growth planting phase that we're in in spring is really front loading as much work as I can for summer because so again like I try and have a picture in my head of what I want each season to feel like and so mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies is this very old movie much ado about nothing with Kenneth Branagh and like they have this scene at the beginning where they're all picnicking and they're running and frolicking in the fields. And I was like, that's what I want summer to be. I want to frolic. I want to like hang out in trees eating strawberries. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I want to plant enough seeds here in the spring so that I can reap them in the summertime. But if you're listening to this in the summer, you absolutely can front load work in June mm-hmm. for August. Mm-hmm. You can do a little bit of that like maintenance phase now so that you can reap those benefits later on. Yes. Yes. Oh, go ahead. Um, I think something that is really important is to, you know, just like when we talk about self-care, we take a critical lens to what is working and what's not working, where the time sucks, because I don't know about you, but I know for me, a lot of the troubles that clients and people I'm working with express is I don't have enough time. I don't have enough, you know, bandwidth. I don't have the capacity. And we, the reality is we are busy. We are also living in a shit show of a society right now. And so these things are true. 
But what is also true is what we are not realizing is the ways that we're coping that are not serving us, that are actually time sucks. They're actually dehydrating us, right? And so for me as a coach, that's where I show up, where we talk about what does your day-to-day look like? And I get to take that outside lens view of saying, okay, well, here are some ways that we're, because we're not adding time to the day, right? We are simply acknowledging what's not working. And so the same thing goes for your business too. And I can speak from my own experience. When it comes to maintenance and sustaining, you have to take a critical lens to your work and your processes and procedures that are often the background stuff, the back end stuff, and recognize what is not working. Where are you shooting yourself? Where are you trying to do what other people do that quote unquote work or what you think is the right thing to do in business? Because, you know, American culture loves to tell us what the right way to market is or what the right way is to, to do your business and all that right? Start to recognize, just like you said before, the summer might land in you differently. And the way you approach summer or any part of your life is going to be different. Same with your business. And so when we talk about maintenance, we talk about sustaining and also preserving is being able to recognize what's not working and what we need to do instead to, you know, be able to do things with more ease. Your business may never be easy, but with more ease, less combative. And also what I'd like to also point out too, or add to you, uh, to any listeners who are like the, about the front loading work. Yes, do that. Of course, if you can, but also even as you begin a front load, because what's going to happen is naturally you're going to be adding a little bit more to your schedule, right? In order to do that, get ahead part, please friends, still see where you can be a li- have a little leisure essence. That's something I'm talking about a lot in the springtime. And when I say leisure, yes, we think about rocking chair, you know, status, right? Rocking chair vibe. But pit the dominant friends, where can you lessen the intensity just a little bit? Vata dominant people, where maybe can you establish a little bit more of a schedule so it's not just flitting, right? A little bit more grounding, you know, kapha dominant people in, in where you're front loading, maybe not letting yourself getting overwhelmed, recognizing when that's happening, and then taking really good care of you, softening just a little bit. So that way, just the edges, softening the edges on that and, and showing up to yourself with a little bit more gentleness as you do the work, right? If you had a friend who you know was going to be working late or or had a particularly hard week happening, you might show up with a cup of coffee for them or a tea or, you know, some little treat to sustain them through the day. How can you show up to yourself as you're trying to, because this is what we do, right? When we know we're coming up to a vacation time or time away, we push really hard to get those things ready so that we can open the space. Fine. But what I also want to interrupt is the go, 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 the push, because you don't want to be exhausted going into that space that you're trying to enjoy so much. So how can you just soften it just a little bit is, is something to remind yourself to do. Yeah, I think there is a power, like a, a personal power to being able to look at your schedule, your business schedule, and be ruthless about the things you don't have to do. Yep. <laughs> like, and, and there are things, you know, so I've sort of, for my business, I've embraced this, this three things idea. So there is one major thing that takes a big chunk of my day. So this is like my, I have one project I'm working on that will take an hour and a half to two hours of my day. And I have three minor things that all take less than an hour and three things that are maintenance and maintenance things include me. Oh my God. Like, why is it that I was in my forties before I made it to my own freaking to-do list? I will never know. <laughs> But like, like, I feel like I'm cheating sometimes when my maintenance three, like one of them is like, take a walk. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. But no, like, that's the yoga of this. That's the yes. like, like, we are literally in the job of yes. personal liberation. And if you are not on the train of your own personal liberation, you're not like, we're not in the job then. It's true. It's yeah. true. I mean, you know, think about all the things we take care of, like, you know, your car, you make sure your car has gas, you make sure you get your oil changed, you're washing the car, you're cleaning the car out. You do the same thing for your animals. You do the same thing for your plants. You do the same thing for um, all the people you take care of, whether that's people you live with, that you are responsible for, the people who you take care of, you know, at work, wherever it is that you spend your time, right? You're that care, that level of care, that breadth of care, must be, you know, um, 
applied to you as well. And so we need to get over the fact that a walk, right, that that is significant, right, stepping away. As, and I don't, I don't know how many of your listeners, you know, work from home a, a large part of the time. I mean, for I know I run into the um, <laughs> the practice of, okay, well, I'm going to take a break from from this email or this project, and I'm going to go do laundry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, yes, okay, it is a break from work, but then I'm just doing something else. And yes, it needs to get done and it's coming off my to-do list and all the things, yes. But unless you're lit up by doing laundry and no shame there if you are, right? There <laughs> right? Yeah. But where are you lighting yourself up? And can we also normalize, you know, the fact that less is more? Dominant culture wants us to believe it's not, but that's bullshit. 30 seconds of something that brings you joy, I can't even speak to all the ways that 30 seconds, just like the benefit of that is so far reaching 30 seconds. It's all I'm asking you for. It can be so small, so small, but yet so good, you know? So yeah, it's really true. Like I tell the story a lot when I'm teaching self-care. So I break it down by time, time, because time is the the thing, right? Like everybody's always like, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. I'm like, great. So if you only have one breath's worth of time, we're going to take a better breath. Mm. Two to 10 minutes The you're going to, you're going to make a list of things that you love to do in two to 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Or you can close your eyes and pick one. And my favorite thing is, so I teach this sometimes at universities for social workers, people are coming to be social workers. And there was this kid, Walter, who, when I was like, so what's on your list? And he, you know, he like unmutes himself and he says, okay, so my rule is it has to be satisfying. Like you have to find personal satisfaction out of it and it can't be an obligation. So maybe it is laundry if laundry lights you up, like no shame. Yep. You love to vacuum and vacuuming will make you happy. Go do it if that's your thing. Mm -hmm. Walter comes to the table with, he loves ice. This is my favorite story. Like, so he has all these ice cube trays and he finds it incredibly satisfying to fill the ice cube trays up and make them equal and put them in the freezer so that later he has ice. And so I was like, that is genius level self-care, my friend, that he can pause and fill his ice cube trays. He finds it so satisfying. It's something that he gets payment for later, Mm. you know? And I was like, self-care can be ice mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. if, if that's your thing it can be that like you said that 30 seconds that's something you're yeah. dancing in the kitchen you pet your cat whatever it is yes yes I think some of the most beautiful ways we can show up to self-care honestly are the ways that we are like oh my gosh that's so silly or that thing I used to love in childhood my friend my best friend is a vintage uh seller and I realized this weekend that I forgetting to message her to say in your travels if you come across a Care Bears mug please pick it up for me because (laughs) let me tell you how much joy it would bring me to just drink out of this Care Bears mug because I freaking love the Care Bears and by the way they go for like $30 if you want to buy one online from some other vintage seller you know so it's like what brings you joy from any part of your life you know because we tend to you know poo-poo things and say oh that's so silly no forget that Right. I don't care if it seems immature or, you know, you're too professional for this or, you know, you are a insert whatever level or whatever hat you wear. You're you're this now. So you can't do something like that. That's bullshit. Yep. Yes. If it lights you up, if you get some sort of soothing from it or it brings you back to a place where you felt safe or carefree do those things do more of it yes yes please and don't shame yourself at whatever it is i think that's the that's good we'll end on this because i know you'll have some good things to say about this but this is one of my my bit like it has it's a whole a whole slide in my pitch deck and my slide deck of self-care is eat the cake eat the chips if you love to scroll tiktok scroll tiktok like like look we need to stop shaming ourselves for nervous system regulation, right? Like if you scroll TikTok and you feel crappy about yourself later on, choose something else. Yeah. <laughs> but in the meantime, yep. like 
there are a thousand amazing ways to regulate and get through your day. And we serve shame, like wellness and yoga serve shame on a platter with like this awful gravy of white supremacy, patriarchy, capitalism that is on top of it. Right. <laughs> like, like it is your main dish for a meal. Mm-hmm. Like what you are doing to get through your day is okay. Mm-hmm. It is. It's true. I mean, there's so, there's so much shame. There's so much guilt. And, you know, the reality is when it comes to food, especially, right. Cause you talked about the chips and the cake, you know, um, obviously there are certain people who cannot eat certain things, right. For their own health. And we need to understand that. Um, and so I don't think either you or I are talking about, you know, just forgetting, you know, all of, you know, the, the things that you need to do to keep yourself, you know, healthy and regulated if, you know, that has right. to do with food. But that freedom that comes with making whatever choice it is, yeah. um, whether it goes against what dominant culture has told us is healthy, yes, is correct. But I think also, you know, there are norms, whether it's from your own culture, whether it's dominant culture, whatever it is, um, depending on your identities of what is right and what is wrong, what is okay and what is not, yeah. you know, people often talk about mom guilt or this, and what do I deserve? And, you know, the guilt is associated with this, right? If I choose myself, is it selfish, right? That whole bullshit of self-care is selfish, right? But, you know, and so I think, again, when we, un- we have to really learn, learn, take a discerning eye to that shame and that guilt, Right. Because it's easy for us also to say we can't shame ourselves and we can't guilt ourselves into doing something or not doing something. And we should not allow somebody else to do that to us. These these things are true. Yes. But what is also true is, I think, too, and this is going to be a hard thing, is acknowledging where does that guilt and shame come from and unlearn the behavior associated with that. Right. Um, Because, you know. You, for me, and I think Ayurveda so, and this is really what I think connected me so deeply with Ayurveda was that self-love teaching. Ayurveda is all about self-love. And I love the 80-20 rule, people. So if you are in the the realm of practicing Ayurveda, right? The 80-20 rule, 80% of the time, we are doing for ourselves what we know to be supportive. 20% of the time, you get to let yourself off the hook and do whatever the fuck you want, right? But by the way, within that 80% of time, if this is supportive, if this thing and eating the bag of chips is what is supportive for you, and it's not going to mess, you know, with your health in a certain way that really, you know, because there are certain people that have to adhere to certain things, you know, for medication, et cetera, right? As long as it's going to keep you safe, then fucking do it. Yes. Right? Like, you don't owe anybody an an, orgasm. Exactly. (laughs) Whatever it is do fucking do it. Yeah. And, and you don't have to explain yourself to anybody and you don't have to ask anybody for validation. You may have to ask for permission to take a day off, you know, from your boss or whatever it is you have to do, do those things, but you do not have to ask somebody if it is okay for you to do this for yourself. Yeah. And I am going to end up with one final note for my listeners, because I just want you to know that if you are unpacking that shame, that guilt, that thought, of where that came from and where that came from was your yoga teacher. Mm. Send me an email, send Steph an email, find us on Instagram because I've had to do that work. And our, how we show up to make the profession we want to enthusiastically be in is unpacking that. Oh yeah. Oh yes. So Steph, tell where, tell us where to find you and how to learn from you. Oh, so you can find me on Instagram at Steph Galante. Uh, that's S-T-E-F-F-G-A-L-L-A-N-T-E. Um, my website is stephgalante.com. And also I have a podcast too. So if you wouldn't mind listening to me for this little bit, um, uh, it's called Humaning, the shit we need to talk about. And I mean, the conversation is very similar to this um, in terms of my vibe and the cursing and just the overall realness and rawness because I am fed up. (laughs) I'm fed up. That's it. I'm fed up. (laughs) 
<laughs> so find me there. And, you know, I talk a lot about the work that I'm doing in the world and, you know, um, the offerings that I have there. And um, yeah, those are the ways. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the best conversation. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for having me. Oh, it was a delight. I know you loved that conversation as much as I did. Thank you so much, Steph, for having it with me. Make sure you go follow her on Instagram at Steph Galante, S-T-E-F-F-G-A-L-L-A-N-T-E. I know you're going to love everything she does as much as I do. Here are our key takeaways. First, make sure that we acknowledge all of our identities and how they relate to our own self-care, This is incredibly important. Taking care of ourselves as yoga professionals is hard. We need to discuss things beyond, quote unquote, have a yoga practice as solutions for our own self-care. Next, yoga professionals struggle with burnout. And this is something that we don't discuss at all because of the shame that we feel about struggling to prioritize our own care. Now, we would never let our students bypass and gaslight themselves the way we do this towards us. So let's shift the narrative. Acknowledging that where we are right now, this is the first and most important step in our own care. If we are unable to talk about our own struggles and wins and identify them from from and for ourselves, it will be much more difficult to care for ourselves. If you are finding yourselves looking outward for the person who will tell you what to do in your life and your business and your self-care, consider this truth. You are that person. And finally, you need to show up for yourself in the same way that you show up for others, to equal measure and degree. I cannot tell you this enough, but it is so important that the degree to which you care for for yourself is equal to the degree to which you care for other people. Now, thank you again to Sunlight Streams for the sponsorship. Go check out their website, www.thesunlightexperience.com backslash online. And I will catch you around the water cooler next time.